The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I think it's great to unveil the banner. I've, we've moved on. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I'll always have great reverence for that team, but this is about 2022, being ready to roll at 521 uh, when this thing kicks off uh, at SoFi on the 8th. That's uh, exclusively where my focus and concentration is. Well, our concentration's exclusively focused on that game. Boom. Various others. That are coming up this weekend. But the main one, we do this every year. They've been doing it for almost 20 years now, Chris Sims, in the NFL. That Thursday night opener. Standalone, excitement, the Thursday after Labor Day. A lot of people still ask me, why didn't the NFL start on Labor Day weekend? I, I had it asked of me the other night when we had a bunch of people here as part of a family reunion weekend for my wife. And I said, look around. This is why the NFL doesn't play on Labor Day weekend. Nobody's home. Let college football have Labor Day weekend. NFL gets it started after Labor Day weekend, specifically Thursday night, and it's Bills-Rams. They could put anything in that spot, and we would be excited. Are you kidding me? Bills-Rams right out of the gates? One of the best games on the calendar for the entire year we get as the first course no it's amazing the, the whole weekend's really pretty good i think that's the best thing about it i mean i think you were you were texting or you might have read a, wrote an article over the weekend about all the first round quarterback matchups that's great you know there's a few other storylines that are cool but of course the the thursday night game kicks it off i mean yeah it's big time you you're not you're not underselling it at all obviously not big time enough though to make you go out there for it so don't worry, we'll be there to hold it down for you. All right, there, big guy. All right. <laughs> yes. Up. Oh, uh, hey, yeah. <laughs> cut him off. That's right. We don't need to see him. Way to so, go, Kristen. <laughs> the item that we posted over the weekend: nine games feature first-round quarterbacks right. for both teams. Yeah. Which hasn't happened in fifty-five years. Not just week one, ever. It's amazing. 
It's amazing to me that that's the case. And for the first time ever in week one, the top two scoring offenses from the prior year get together. That's Sunday night, Buccaneers at Cowboys. And there are 10 home underdogs in week one, including our Thursday night game, Rams, two and a half point home dogs against the Bills, and the Cowboys, two point underdogs at home against the Buccaneers, plus eight other teams at home. Now, we saw last year, and it was kind of a carryover from the pandemic year when it made sense to not have home field advantage because there weren't fans. Even with fans back, teams have figured out how to go on the road no question. and win. Yeah. They've cracked that. We talk about cracking codes all the time. Teams have cracked the code on what it takes to leave home, travel, go into a hostile environment, and emerge victorious. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't intimidate the, the road team like it used to. You know, I think we've had this conversation a little bit. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is the, the stereo equipment at practices, even through training camp, where it creates crowd noise all year long, all the time, so they're not, like, affected by that. I mean, just going to Bill's training camp a few weeks ago, uh, they're, they're not getting ready for any road environment, but it was ones versus ones. They had the crowd noise going on and, and loud, you know, music going on to emulate, like, what you have to do, all the gymnastics, the quarterback, and so, yeah, there, there is, there's, there's something to it to where the teams have gotten used to it. I'd still rather be at home for a big game. There's no doubt about that. But it's not like it was, or at least like it seems like it was in the old days. Well, and one of the reasons the Bills are favored on the road and the Buccaneers are favored on the road is they're both regarded to be two of the best teams in the NFL. In fact, they're the top two when you look at the odds for who will win the Super Bowl. It's Bills then it's Bucks, So they'd be favorites anywhere this weekend unless one was visiting the other. That's pretty much the easy explanation. But a lot of home underdogs, a lot of action to get the season going. And let's focus a little bit more on this. By the way, I neglected to say hello to everyone say hello. out there. The show is I mean, it's a long weekend. We're on. Come on. Peacock, Sirius XM 85 podcast wherever you may get your podcasts and also our good friends in the UK and Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. They missed us yesterday. They didn't understand. It was a holiday. It's not a holiday there. They thought we'd been canceled. They thought we were gone. They thought we were sick. Why aren't you on the Monday of Super Bowl or not Super Bowl week? Excuse me. It feels like Super Bowl week. Super Bowl preview Would you week, be going to Monday LA if the start it was the, the Super Bowl though? So uh, that just that's the question. Would you be going if it was the Super Bowl? I don't know. So, you know, we'd have know. to do the whole week of shows out there. I'd have to suck it up and venture back into hell. And now Mother Nature is finally agreeing with my assessment. It is hell out there. It was 109 degrees on Sunday. It's 99 on Wednesday, 99 on Thursday. Take your suntan lotion there, Christopher. Take your take your blotters. Take your blotters. Your makeup's going to be running down your collar. Yeah, that, that'll Wednesday be happening. I don't have to worry about the sunscreen. That, that's the good thing about that stadium. You don't have to worry about swamp that with the roof. That's awesome. Swamp ass. Man, yeah, There's you're not swamp ass alert in Los Angeles. Gosh, I know. Please. I mean, we were out there. When we did the rehearsal for the Super Bowl, it was 90-something degrees. I remember sweating. So here we go. I know. There's nothing worse than being in a suit when it's 95 degrees and humid. Like, it doesn't get any worse than that. Oh, we were just in Canton a month ago, and for the rehearsal, we weren't suited up, but it was really hot. And then the night of the game, it was really hot. I mean, this is the time of year when it's really hot, but it's really hot. It's really hot 
in Los Angeles this week. All the more reason for me to be glad I'm not going, but I'll be there in spirit, and I'll also be part of the the pregame show. And also, somebody's got to mind the store here. We can't do 4 a.m. shows. I know that, you know, other networks may impose unrealistic expectations on their producers and on-air personnel, but fortunately, NBC doesn't expect you to get up at 4 a.m. on Wednesday or Thursday. Not that you would anyway. So we can do we can do the show tomorrow and the next day, and you can you can be sound asleep in Los Angeles. I'll take that for sure. That that's that's a definite positive. So I'm I'm happy not to do it for the next few days out in the West Coast. Yeah, that that's definitely like. Would have been a day, a game changer, having to get up that early to do, do the show at 4 a.m. Yes, that, that would have been miserable. So I am happy about that. I don't think we would have done that, though. We, we, we've been in that situation before, like in Arizona for league meetings. We, we just do the show the day before, the night before, and then it's in the can and they just play it. And as long as something huge doesn't happen, you know, the show, the show is still the show. You still talk about the things that you would talk about, and one of the things we'd be talking about is the game that's going to be played on Thursday night. Let's talk about that now. There's been plenty of sound coming out of Rams camp as the Rams get ready to hang the banner and defend their championship. And one of the big questions continues to be the noise around Matthew Stafford's elbow. It started off as a vague thing. Then it got pretty significant, and then it just kind of went away. Let's hear both from Coach Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford himself as to where that elbow issue currently is as we get closer to Stafford having to play in a game that counts. No, there won't be any limitations. He'll be, uh, he'll be ready to go. You know, I think we've got a really good plan in place, no different than really last year. You know, these are things that he was kind of working through in his own way, but you always want to be cognizant of a, you know, a pitch count, if you will. But he's feeling as good as, you know, I mean, I tell you what, he's throwing the ball excellent. He feels good. Everything that I'm seeing is reflective of everything he's saying to me. And so I feel really good about that. You know, I can't look back on the past. It is something that will be very similar to last year. So it's not really anything that's different. You got a great competitor that you want to be smart about managing you know guys bodies and for a quarterback their arm is always something that you want to be smart about and that'll be the same as what we did last year with him I feel good I'm ready to go no limitations um you know uh still think there's you know I, I don't know I feel great I mean I'm ready to go play um can always be uh can always be better can always try to feel like I'm 21 again I'll keep trying but uh no I feel I feel really good I feel like I can make every throw uh I don't know what else you need to hear from me uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. See, no limitations is the word they put on the card to tell Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford to recite. No limitations. They both said it. And then Stafford says, I still think there's, nah, I feel great. I'm not going to go down that path. It's basically what he was doing. I still think there's room for improvement. Nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I still think there's, you know, maybe need for surgery at some point, but I'm fine. I mean, we don't know what he was going to say. I'd love to know what he was going to say. He said at the end, I don't know what else you can hear from me at this point. How about finishing your thought that you self-edited? Seriously. I, he was going to say something there. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's practicing. I don't think they're like t- – I mean, I don't think it's like, like like you're talking about that drastic surgery, anything like that. But, no, I, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, but then I know. he held back. He definitely he held, held back because I, I feel like he wanted to go, eh, there's room for improvement. I could probably, you know, as he referred to at the end, feel even better and not feel and feel like I'm 21 again. So he's on the search for that. But either way, it's become a non-story over the last few weeks. I think that's the positive thing. If it was really like bothering, concerning, it would have got out of that building. 
you'd hear it from players, people that just got cut, whatever else. So I'm not worried about it. And he better be ready to go. I mean, you said it. The Bills are the, the, the team that everybody thinks are going to the Super Bowl. They're a team that's on a mission. They kind of showed that in the preseason. The defense is better. You don't have OBJ. Van Jefferson's hurt. Your running backs are just coming back from injury. There's a few new offensive linemen. Like Stafford going to have to be on his A game because uh, like I think, think you have the same feeling, Buffalo's a team on a mission and definitely one of the two best players in the game for my money and, and Allen and Mahomes to where he's coming into town ready to go and that's where Stafford and company better to be ready to go too. The fact that McVay said that the management of the elbow is going to be a lot like it was last year. We know last year they kept it all under wraps. Yeah. We didn't know about it. Yeah. Like I was surprised when I first saw that Stafford isn't throwing in the off season. He had an injection in his elbow. Like they did a pretty good job of keeping anyone from realizing there was an issue. And I think they're back in that nothing to see here mode because they don't want people to realize it is an issue. But I think they've said enough to acknowledge it's an issue. It's maybe not as serious as it was early in camp. And, Chris, you said it yourself at the time. They were dealing with a baseball injury. They didn't know what to do about it. They were searching for information and strategies for dealing with it, and apparently they found something, but it hasn't turned the clock back to when Matthew Stafford is 21. By the way, Matthew. You can keep looking all you want, but it ain't, it ain't turning back to when you were 21. It's a question of coloring within the lines that you currently have, and that's what they're dealing with. But he's, he's clearly got a lingering issue that they are clearly trying to downplay as best they can. It's not going to keep him from playing. McVay said, hey, if he's got to throw the ball 50 or 55 times against the Bills, so be it. He's out there and he's ready to go. But this isn't a week one concern. This is no. a week 12 concern. Right. This is a week nine concern. Yeah. This is a when does it pop up and limit him during a practice week? When does it limit him potentially in a game? When does it limit the menu of throws that would be available to him as they plan to face the 49ers later in the year or some other team where maybe they need Stafford to do a lot and maybe there's going to be some things he can't do or he's going to push a little bit too far. That's why I think this is still on the radar screen. We don't know how it's going to play out once he gets into the grind of the season. That's fair for sure. I mean, I'm with you there in that conversation. It's probably the number one thing that scares me about Matthew Stafford in general anyways is just the accumulation of getting his ass whooped for years on years on years on years in Detroit and then having years like we saw last year. I mean, we know we know during the season last year, it was more than the elbow that they were dealing with there. There was ankle. There was elbow. I believe there was ribs. There might have been shoulder at one point. I mean, there was, I believe, a, a, a myriad, right? Big word for me on a Tuesday after Labor Day. Wow. Of reasons. Right. Wow. Right. I don't know what happened there. That's downright Byzantine. I know. What? Look, look at me all smart and crap over here. But... Yeah, I think there was a myriad of reasons that or, or injuries last year that they were kind of keeping under wraps. And it is something I worry about with his age. Not that he's super old, but he's had to play a physical brand of football. Yeah, it's different than Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. His was sitting in the pocket and getting killed in Detroit because they couldn't do anything other than him throwing it 40 times a game for 380 yards if they wanted to win. So uh, that's where I worry about him long term. And to your point, in week seven, in week eight, 
some new offensive pieces on the offensive line. You know, all of those issues. The marked team now. You know, you got a team like Buffalo coming into town. You're playing that first place schedule. It's Von Miller and company. So I, I, I'm here. You're there, Mike. It's definitely like we can't wipe it off the screen and think, oh, we're good to go. We got to keep watching it. You mentioned something earlier. I'm going to go off script. We've got a very loose outline that we follow in every segment of the show. You mentioned that they don't have Odell Beckham Jr. What was your reaction to the news from Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic that in the training facility they have a locker with a nameplate for Odell Beckham Jr., even though he still isn't on the team? I, I'm not shocked. I, I just I feel like it's uh... – it was a match made in heaven. I think we talked about that a lot towards the end of the season last year. I think you and I kind of, you know, throughout the spring, right, and winter kind of thought, yeah, hey, there might be a team that swoops in, but I still look at the Rams as being the team that would be in the leader house for sure, even if it is slightly less money. You know, again, a guy that's coming off the second year, second ACL, you want to be in a place where, hey, you know they support you, they know what you're made of. You don't have to go in there and prove yourself. So you can take things slow, get it to be 100%, right? There's there's no pressure. Hey, you know this guy. I know you. And I think that there's a true mutual respect for what Odell brings to the locker room from McVay and then the coaching staff. And I think Odell has a respect for how they do things. So I, I still look at that as going to happen in my mind. Um unless just something unforeseen happens with the rehabilitation phase or somebody blows them out of the water with some huge contract. Doesn't it feel like at some level... Yeah, that it's cheating a little or what? No, no. I I feel like they're playing him a little bit. That that it's just a little gesture to hold him in place, to secure dibs on him so he doesn't start looking at other options, doesn't listen to anyone else. Not that there's anyone else who's trying to get him, but... Why wouldn't you? And you know what? He's in a great spot here, too. He can play along with this whole Rams thing, but you get a key injury somewhere. Yeah, You wait and see who the contenders really are. Maybe the Rams aren't going to be a contender. I don't know. Nobody knows. That's one of the beauties of the NFL. We never know who's going to be good or not good until they start playing the games. Maybe by the time we get to Halloween, as he gets closer to 100%, whenever that may be, and I don't mean to suggest it's Halloween, but... Last time he tore an ACL, it was 11 months until he was cleared. So I don't know when he's going to be ready to go. By the time he is, he may be able to cherry pick a better spot for himself. Yeah. Especially if his contract is going to be loaded up with team, not individual incentives, which is the way to go. If you're going to get paid based on how far the team goes, you want to pick the team that you think is going to go the farthest like he did last year. Yeah. I don't don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Like, like, I know. What you're saying is, hey, we get into – you know, mid-October, mid-November, and Kansas City, you know, they maybe have an injury or the receivers aren't performing the way they thought. Like, oh, wait, here's an offer that, you know, you just can't refuse. Yeah, I could see that. Green Bay, you know, Buffalo maybe even. I mean, it's that type of team. I, I hear you, Mike. I would. I would just think if everything's kind of equal or somewhat on the same playing field, L.A. has the advantage. Unless there's something unforeseen, like you said, where some team goes, oh, wait, we're a Super Bowl team. We lost our number one, and now we're in trouble. Okay, we're going to have to pay him something more than than maybe the Rams or the other teams out there. That would be, like, the only thing I see, Mike, I mean, to, to your point. And I don't know that it would be unforeseen. It's just one of the potential outcomes yeah, right. of, of, of 
of football. <laughs> Putting the dice in the Yahtzee container, right. shaking them up and throwing them out on the table. I, you don't know what's going to happen, but you know all sorts of stuff can happen. You know there will be injuries. You know there will be teams that rise up that maybe could use a little help at receiver, that maybe have held back some cap money. At that point, he's not going to care that there's a locker in the training facility with his name on it. So he's got a lot of power here. He's got a lot of flexibility here. He can sit back and wait. And at a certain point, if I'm Odo Beckham Jr., my attitude is, hey, Everybody else had a chance to come sign me. Let me rehab with them. Let me be their secret weapon who is deployed when I'm healthy and ready to go. Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to show me the cash. Nobody wanted to take me on. I had to go do all this on my own to get myself back to 100%. Fine, I did. And now I'm going to exercise my my time to wait for the best situation for me to play through January into February and then hopefully stay healthy this time and get the – the big contract on the open market he has yet to get. A couple of running backs for the L.A. Rams. Good to go for week one after some training camp question marks. Cam Akers, who missed most of last year with a torn Achilles, suffered in July pre-camp workouts. He played in the final regular season game. He contributed in the playoff run. Daryl Henderson, who contributed most of the season but didn't do much in the playoffs because of injury, they're both ready to go. And it's good to have both guys. Look, this is a position that chews guys up and spits them out, and you're going to have guys injured. So you got them both healthy. That's good for the Rams because chances are at some point somebody's getting banged up when they start running the football and banging into the car crashes, as you always call them. So we'll see. We'll see. But it's good for them to have both guys healthy at the same time because that hasn't happened in a long time. It's been a while. You're right. And, and, and you know, we do know that the Rams are – they're a different football team, especially when Cam Akers is in the in the game for them. You know, they're, 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 the patience of McVay with the running game, that's always something I've really admired for a guy that's looked at as the offensive genius. He, man, he doesn't give up on that run. And then the, the biggest thing, too, as we discussed a lot during the season last year, they were, what, the number one play-action team in football or certainly one of the top play-action teams in the game. That's why. That's how you get Cooper Cup and everybody flying behind the linebackers on the second level all the time. So they ride that 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 horse there big time. They do. And then you're playing a team this week again where you, know, you want two guys that know the pass protection rules. It's Leslie Frazier. It's Sean McDermott. They do a lot of crazy things. You want to slow down that pass rush. Von Miller and Greg Rousseau and company coming into town. So there's a lot of positives there, no doubt. And and like I said, they have a few new, new, new moving parts there for the Rams offense. Cam Akers, is, he's a big-time running back. He's a difference maker for their football team. Cam Akers, and you go back and look at his rookie numbers, they were not spectacular, but he did enough down the stretch. Yeah, it was the end of the year. Anticipation that last year he was ready to become a superstar. Now he's kind of been forgotten. He's good to go. He came back from that Achilles tendon faster than maybe anyone would have expected and really did contribute in the postseason last year despite not having that that same preparation he would have had if he was playing all year long. So he gets a chance, square one, to be the guy this year that we thought he was going to be last year, and he could end up being really good for that team, especially if defenses decide that they are going to commit to taking away Cooper Cup, that they're going to save some resources to slow down Allen Robinson and just otherwise take the steam out of the passing game. 
it opens up opportunities for Cam Akers. If he can stay healthy this year, he could have the season we thought he was going to have in 2021, Chris. Yeah, I think I think so. And maybe early on, like we talked about with the new offensive linemen and no Odell, Van Jefferson a little banged up. How's Allen Robinson's adjustment to the offense? They might need to rely on that running game. It would be interesting to see. But Akers is one of those guys where I think we see even a different guy we saw in the playoff stretch last year, like you mentioned. It's, it's, it's two years removed from the Achilles injury. And we saw a little, yeah, a little glimpse of it the end of that rookie year where you went, oh, this guy can be special. I remember seeing him in person doing Notre Dame, and he was the Florida State running back going, Man, this guy is, like, legit. He's an NFL running back. He's a 1,000-yard type of running back. And really, if he doesn't get injured, I'd be shocked if he doesn't you know, accumulate those kind of numbers this year in that offense. This is really our last chance to talk about this game since you will be sound asleep tomorrow morning and Thursday morning. We do have the Joint Mega Picks podcast That's coming right. up later today. We'll talk about the game then and make our picks. But, Chris, something you said there about – Van Jefferson, who was the only Ram who didn't practice on Monday, and Allen Robinson, his first game with the team, and Cam Akers is healthy. And think about what the agenda and objective will be for the Rams from a game planning standpoint. They're always a team we look at as go, go, go all the time, score points, score points. You got the Bills coming to town. Maybe there's maybe there's going to be some benefit in slowing it down, grinding it out, keeping 17 on the sideline. You know, even though we're talking about the defending champions, their best play may be long drives, sustained momentum, slow it down, score fewer points, and not let the Bills' offense go nuts. I, I'm, I'll be interested to see their approach. I will. You know, especially, hey, early on, a team like Buffalo with all the crazy things they do on defense, yeah, will, will they slow it down, get a feel for them at first? I don't know. But I, I, I tend to think – that it'll be the opposite. I don't know why. Well, I just feel like it's, it's year two of Stafford and company to where that's what they're going to unveil to us like to start the year here. And almost the, the hey, Stafford, year two, let's attack. Let's go no huddle at the line of scrimmage. You know everything now. We're on the same page, McVay and Stafford. I, that, I am interested to see that approach because I, I know within that approach too, like that I'm talking about, yeah, you're putting my boy Blue back on the field and – we know he's he's special. There, there's no question about that. We know that Rams defense is good, uh, definitely. But this this is a different animal they're dealing with for sure. But I don't think the Rams are going to bow down to anybody with it when it comes to that, Mike. I think they're going to do what they do on the offensive side of the ball and try to apply pressure that way. I, I would be surprised if they don't take that route. And look, there there is a distinct "are you not entertained" element to that first game of the season. Look at what the Bucks and the Cowboys did last year, thirty-one twenty-nine. You don't want to be part of kind of a clunker, boring, low-scoring. They picked that. Well, they picked the Rams because they won the Super Bowl, but they picked Bills Rams because wow. And it better have some wow. It's in L.A., first game of the season, hanging the banner. The idea that Sean McVay could suppress his nature for a grinded-out 13-10 to 10 win. I know. I know. Yeah. Right, right. Even, even if it's more likely you'd win it that way, he'd rather lose and have it 34-31 than win 13-10. to 10. Well, I know he wouldn't admit to that, but I think he's going yeah. to be caught up in the excitement of the first game of the season, as we all are. That, that's, that, to me, is another thing I think that is worth discussing when you talk about the matchup is, is, is that element. 
you know, the checking the emotions at the door. I don't care who you are. He can talk about all he wants. We've closed the door from last year. That was a special team. This is a new one, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. When they unveil that, that banner there, I mean, th- those emotions are going to come back. Those guys are going to have, like, feelings and thoughts about that day they won the Super Bowl and how cool this is. You know, th- this is where I think it's an interesting matchup. It's the first time I feel like in a while – where you go into this game and you go, no, I really favor the, the team that didn't win the Super Bowl. I do. I don't know why, but I do. I mean, I, again, I know why. They're extremely talented. But I just look at, like, you know, I, I guess between Stafford's elbow, a few players lost on the team, you know, uh, has a different vibe. Buffalo just chomping at the bit to get there. You know, last year we went into that game going, and like the, 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 the kickoff game going, yeah, it could be fun, the you know, the Bucks and the Cowboys, but I don't think there was any thought in our brain that the Bucks weren't going to lose the game. We were pleasantly surprised going, whoa, the Cowboys are hanging in there making this a lot of fun to watch. Whoa, can they actually pull this off? You know, I, I don't know. This is one that has a different feel. It's more like, wait, are the, what are the Rams going to be the Rams? It just feels like the Bills, you know, as you said earlier, they're the favorites and uh, I, even my gut, I feel like, feels like they're the favorites going in this matchup. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. This gets back to something, though, that we've been talking about, I've been writing about, I've been paying close attention to any evidence that pushes the needle one way or the other, including an item on the Bills' website, which hypes up Ken Dorsey as maybe taking the offense to a higher level. Brian Dayball's got to be saying, what the hell? Well, I mean, I mean, Really? Really? Guy has never called a game yet? Guy's never been a coordinator his whole life, and you're writing stories about how he's going to take the offense to a higher level than I did during my time there? Are you kidding me? There's so much expectation on this team. Yeah. The pressure is unrelenting, and I have real questions based upon some things I've heard, Chris. I've got real questions as to whether or not they're going to be able to withstand it. It's all going to come down to Dorsey. What can Dorsey do running that offense? Can they deal with having their names penciled in, not on the Lombardi Trophy, but at least on the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Chris Mortensen, venerable NFL insider for ESPN, had a great tweet over the weekend. Recently, I saw a site where the Bills had the best percentage chance of winning the Super Bowl at 6.1%. Not great at math, but it meant the Bills have a 93.9% chance of not winning it. That's, <laughs> that's the reality. Somebody's right. got to be the front runner. And again, if I'm the Bills, at some level I'm saying, why are we the ones who are carrying this burden? What have we done to carry this burden? We haven't been to a Super Bowl in 30 years. So that that's, to me, a fascinating wrinkle as it they is. get into the season. And what yeah. happened to them last year when they started at home against the Steelers? What happened? They yeah, stepped on a they rake. fell asleep, no doubt. They did. They fell asleep at the wheel there and, and got upset by the Steelers. And, 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 Mike, I know we've hit on this in the summer, but, you know, other than players and head coaches, you know, I think this rivals probably the coaching conversation that we've talked about in New England 
as like the two biggest things to watch in, in football as far as just like assistant coaches going into week one in the regular season. Yeah, you, you know, you laid it out perfectly. It's a special offense. Dayball's quarterback whisperer. I mean, invented an offense and, and did things around a guy that, you know, everybody thought was not accurate, not that talented. I don't know what you're looking at. You know, and, and now we go, whoa, they've been special and keep the pressure on you four quarters, you know, 17 games a year now the last two years where it's been pretty it's been pretty amazing. And you're right. It's it's a huge, huge piece that's been changed out to a guy that, hey, Ken Dorsey, he's got you know great lineage. I know he's a great guy. He works hard, all that. But yeah, can he call the game the way Brian Dayball did? And can they be as effective on that side of the ball to where yeah, that's the thing that's been beautiful about Buffalo the last two years. Buffalo has found a way to go, wait, we're not playing a game because one side of our team has an issue or anything like that. It's pedal to the metal on both sides of the ball, and they keep pressure on you throughout to where you have to play a style of football a lot of times that you might not want to play because you got to keep up with Josh Allen. And then you get on the other side of the ball, and it's, whoa, blitzes and people at the line of scrimmage and people dropping out. So they're phenomenal that way. And I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I think that's something we really got to watch for on Thursday night. And I don't want to be any more of a jerk than I already am, but I'm serious. When I saw the item at the Bills website, and I understand that they're catering to Bills Mafia, but you're only adding to the fire that's raging that the expectation is they're going to get to the Super Bowl and win it. There is not a single whisper in this article about Ken Dorsey about the possibility that they may have some road bumps. It's just, you know, he's very competitive and he hates to lose. Well, everybody's competitive and they hate to lose. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to run the offense the way Brian Dayball did. So I, I, I think that, that that's a real concern to balance out the hype, to balance out the expectation, and to add to this idea that the Bills have to be saying – why are we the ones of all the teams in the NFL? What have we done to earn this burden? It'd be different if we made it to the Super Bowl. It'd be different if we made it to the AFC Championship game. Why aren't the Chiefs the ones with this? Why aren't the Bengals the one with it? Why is it us that has the target bigger than anyone else going into the season? It really is a fascinating dynamic. Now, they do have Jordan Poyer back to practice ahead of Thursday's opening. Hyperextended an elbow. In practice on August 2nd, there's this awkwardness. He wants a contract. He's not getting one. But, you know, to the extent they're going to need the defense to step up and make plays, they need their best players on the field, Chris. Yeah, and then, you know, you have no Tredavious White, right, a corner for this opener. So that leaves them, you know, a little shorthanded in the secondary. Poyer's really good. We know that. The combination of him and Micah Hyde is one of the better safety combos in all of football. It is. Um, I'm, I'm not shocked to see that he didn't get a new contract. You know, he's getting, what, north of $9 million, I believe, off the top of my head. And I think that's probably about where he is as far as a player right now. That's just my assessment. Um, but, yeah, he's getting up there in, in years and age. But they need him, certainly, especially in a game, in a, in a first game where I look at it and go, you know, this is, yeah, you're going to have some game plan things, some special things that have been in for the Rams and You've been preparing little by little for this for the last month, and he's one of the quarterbacks of the defense that gets some of their their crazy, you know, their crazy formations that they use on that side to trick quarterbacks. Are are part of the genius is because of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back there. So certainly crucial to have him back for the game. 
All right, that is the Thursday night game that gets things started on NBC and then the first Sunday of the season. After we have nine games simultaneously unwrap themselves at 1 p.m. Eastern as we try to keep up with all the craziness, get through the late afternoon, Sunday night, Buccaneers at Cowboys. No shortage of storylines, starting with Tom Brady, who was gone for 11 days during training camp. He's back now. Yesterday, Coach Todd Bowles meeting with the media, asked the all-important question of whether or not Tom Brady is all in. He's been all in since we got him. He's all in now. So I don't follow the off-the-field stuff. I listen to XM, The Groove, and Soul Town, and <laughs> Silk Radio. So my off-the-field activities are honestly not even football-related. In that comment, Todd Bowles made kind of a kind of a stunning acknowledgement that there are off the field issues to pay attention to. He doesn't follow them, but he's clearly aware something's going on. He's all in. He's been all in since he got here. Well, he really hasn't been all in since he got here because he retired for 40 days. And during that time, he was flirting with joining the Dolphins. Can't say he's been all in during that period. He wasn't all in when he was gone for 11 days during training camp. How are you all in if you're not even present? So I... The question continues to be relevant because we are in new territory with Tom Brady. We are, we are past the E on the gas gauge, and we don't know how much longer the car is going to run. We assume it's going to make it through the full season, but we assumed he would be there for all the training camp too. So this isn't going to go away, especially when Brady is so rarely going to talk to the media. And when he does, he's not going to say much. Chris, we know that. And and I think that it makes sense and it is fair to kind of take it on a week-by-week basis and be bracing for the possibility that, you know, at some point, maybe he will be gone for a few days again. We just don't know. Well, I, I think, like, the, your phrase of unprecedented territory is the one that, like, sticks out to me. I mean, yeah, we're in that. And then we're in a territory for the first time ever where we, yeah, we question Tom Brady and like what, what's going on there a little bit off the field. It's, it's a real thing. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's an off the field family issue. I saw page six of the New York Post and other publications started to report it this weekend to where I don't care who you are, 45 year old, you know, balancing family, doing all that. And if it is the sup- supposed marital issues that are re- being reported out there and all that, that's it's not easy. It's a, it's a lot and to be stressful. And you know, then there was the talks of Brady lost you know ten fifteen pounds because of the stress of some of all of this. So and and yeah, there's the rumors of yeah he's not he wasn't all in. He was all in trying to go somewhere else. He was all in. So it's the first time ever we are, like, questioning, I think, that aspect of Brady. And I think that's where it's a little different. And, then, and, that, and, yeah, it's a 45. Okay, he's still throwing the ball great. We got that. But, man, it just seems like other things in life have infiltrated the Tom Brady robot that we're not used to. And I think that's where it's a little weird for all of us. And now added to everything else – that we get or don't get from him during press conferences, either during the week or after the game. The Let's Go podcast is back for a second season. Jim Gray and Tom Brady last night talking through a variety of things. And this is where it becomes very interesting from my perspective. Sirius XM, which hosts the podcast, will send out a partial transcript of the things Brady says. But then you have to listen to it because there may be some other stuff he said 
that didn't make it to the transcript that may actually be more interesting than what's in the transcript. Because maybe in the transcript they decided, let's not reduce that to writing. So there is a disconnect between what was sent out last night and what I heard when I listened to it. And he's very vague, but he talks about ebbs and flows of life. And, you know, he waxes philosophically for a little bit. He doesn't come all that close to But this is what happens when you have handpicked hosts, no criticism of Jim Gray. They've been friends for a long time. You're not going to get. He wouldn't do it. That's the reality. If he was stepping into a situation, Chris, where he was going to get grilled, where were you for those 11 days? He just wouldn't do it. The only reason we have access to him through the Let's Go podcast is it's a safe space where he knows that the questions are going to be handpicked tailor-made and never put him in a position where he's uncomfortable or saying something he doesn't want to say. So we have to take what he does say and try to make sense of it, which I've spent way too much time doing between last night and this morning. Apparently, apparently it sounds like it, but, (laughs) but I, it is, it is, uh, you know, again, we should be dissecting it. There's no doubt, but yeah, I don't know. That's where Brady, that's where Brady falls on deaf ears to me. That's where I just, oh, Brady had a press conference, uh, but I'd rather watch paint dry. Oh, Brady had an interview for <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd rather watch paint dry. I mean, so what? It just, yeah. it, if he did get asked to answer those hard questions, he'd give us some BS answer anyways. And you know, 45, and I got a lot of shit going on. Oh, okay, great. All right. So that's where, that's where he 57. is not the coolest you know, ex-all-time quarterback, in my opinion. And that's where, yeah, yeah I will never be tuning into him and Jim Gray on the podcast and, and listening to that other than snippets we might play on here every now and then. It's, it's a weird sort of treasure hunt, though, because y- you may trip over something that, that is useful. Right. But obviously, obviously and you. it's not live. It's pre-taped. Yes. So, if he would ever accidentally tell the truth about something that doesn't make him look good, you know that they're going to Let's go back and delete it, that. Re-rack yeah. it. <laughs> right. They're not going to play it. So my challenge to you, Tom, do it live. We'll do it live. Do it live. <laughs> good luck. And and maybe 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 consider taking a real question too. If you really want to build an audience and it isn't just talking for 2 minutes and then reading the next commercial, which is kind of what it is now. Well, it doesn't it, even it matter. Is, yeah. It it is. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yeah. It is exhausting. You get 3-4 minutes of content and then you got Jim Gray reading a commercial. And then 3-4 minutes of content and Jim Gray reading a commercial. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm not opposed to anybody getting paid, but come on, Tom. How much revenue do you need to generate from this thing? I think you're doing okay. I don't think we need to consider a bake sale for Tom Brady anytime soon. He did say something interesting, though, last night, Chris, that is very revealing, and it, it, it meshes with the Brady brand. Here he is from the podcast talking about the injuries that his offensive line has suffered. He had some other stuff that I'll add afterward. Let's start with him talking about the injuries along the offensive line, and then we'll talk about how he added his own little Brady twist to it. It's going to be a challenge. I'd definitely say that's – and every team's challenge at different times in the year. So, you know, you deal with injuries early. You deal with injuries late. You deal with them all year. And, you know, yeah, we lost – you know, we lost Alex Kappa to, to the Bengals. We lost Ali Marpet, who's a great player, to retirement. And then Ryan got hurt in training camp. So we got Shaq Mason, who I love him to death. I've played with him a long time. I know what he's all about. 
Hainsey, Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame, earned the respect of his, his teammates, you know, with his work ethic and him showing up every day last year, even though he wasn't planned to be prepared. And, you know, he's going to step in and try to do a great job. And we've got, you know, left a left guard, um, you know, that's, that's battling every day. Uh, Luke has done a great job for us in training camp. We drafted him to come in here and play. And, you know, we'll see if he can get in there and be prepared to go do a great job. Okay, and that's fine. That's fine. That's, that's what he has to say. But, Chris, he also pivoted to the idea. And, and this, this cracked me up. He, he, he said that people are saying bad things about these offensive linemen, and he's making sure that they're aware of it. I showed it to them and use it as motivation. Every time someone says they suck and they can't do anything, I've tried to show it to them and say, this is what they're all saying about you. What do you guys think? What are you going to do about it? And make sure they know what everyone's saying. And that's important. I've always used little different spites as motivation for me. I'm a really motivated person. It always helps when someone says something that's not flattering. What is anyone saying about these offensive linemen? that they? I, no one's saying they suck. They're just saying, hey, they're backups for a reason, and now they're pressed into service. Can they get it done? That's not saying they suck. That's raising a question that is an obvious question. Yeah. What are we going to do now? Ryan Jensen's out. Ali Marpet's gone. Alex Kappa's gone. Aaron Stinney's out for the year. We're relying upon a rookie and a second-year guy to play center and left guard. And we know that that's an area of vulnerability for Tom Brady in the past. He gets rid of the ball so quickly now it doesn't matter. But nobody's – I have seen nothing – that suggests these guys suck. I wonder if he's out there making it up himself. I wonder if he's got some burner account where he's tweeting these guys suck and then he prints it off and shows it to him. Who's saying these guys suck? I defy Tom Brady to produce a shred of evidence that has bolstered the idea that anyone is saying these young offensive linemen suck. All we're saying is we don't know if they're going to be any good. No, That's a big no. difference in saying they suck. No, yeah, I mean, not even you're just questioning it in general because it was, a, you know, a strength of their football team and questioning it because of, you know, Tom Brady and where what kind of player he is and the age he's at too where we know, I mean, it's, it's foolproof. I mean, any amount of pressure – is an issue with Tom Brady. He's not going to be able to move or do anything. So, yeah, we question that, definitely. And, you know, again, even within his own words there, they weren't like glowing assessments. Oh, Robert Hainsey did a good job showing up for work last year. And, you know, he didn't play, but he was prepared. And then the other guy, he just talks about, Luke, you know. he didn't that, know his last name. I know, we got, rookie, we got a rookie. We got a rookie. We got a rookie. And, yeah, we drafted them to play, right? So, I mean, again, there, there's got to be questions there, 100%. But we've seen Brady do this before. He, he is a guy to like what you just quoted him as. He looks for anything he can to motivate him. He looks for something negative that way. I still – I'll never forget the most of all was that after the Chargers game, right, yes. they're going to go to Kansas City. <laughs> that was the most like – we were all like, well, here comes New England again. They're going to go to the Super Bowl again. And yep. he's like – Everybody's probably doubting us, and everybody thinks we're going to lose. He said like, nobody no, believes in yeah. us. Well, you're New England, and we all believe you're going to win somehow. That's what, it was the opposite. So that's just the way he is. It's the way he's wired, and he tries to get his guys like that too. I remembered I was sitting on my couch. I had just gotten home because we had a game the night before, divisional round. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was after the the trip back from Kansas City, where he got snowed Kansas City in. Colts, it was the Andrew right. Luck last game. And we, although we didn't know it at the time, 
And I'm watching that game, and afterward, it's Tracy Wolfson talking to Tom Brady, and he says nobody believed in us. Against the Chargers at home. Are you kidding me? Nobody believed in you? Are you high? But but that is that is what he does. He will take and, – and it's it's kind of refreshing to me because it makes me believe that there really is a real live boy deep down inside all of the facade and the robot, the Stepford Patriot for all those years, and the guy now who – who seems to be animatronic, that he does get motivation from actual or perceived or just made up slights, that he's like the rest of us, that he needs to be pissed off to fully achieve. And I like that. I I like that. Even though I think it's a bunch of crap, I like it. Yeah, I do too. I I think there's a lot more athletes that that, that operate that way than, than not. And that's in through uh, even Josh Allen. When I talk to him, he kind of gets motivated through self-deprecation a little bit and that negativity, whether that's talking badly about himself or complaining about something and that gets him going. And I think that's with Brady as well. You know, it's, I think with a lot of quarterbacks, I, I, I could be like that. I grew up with one that could be like that as my father to where, yeah, you, you find that thing to go, this pisses me off, this gets me mad, and it gets the blood boiling. It makes you go out and work a little harder or have a little bit maybe more attention to detail. And, uh, yeah, Brady certainly, I think, has a lot of that in him for sure. Hey, when you have more money than you could ever spend in 50 lifetimes, you've got seven Super Bowl championships, your motivation's got to come from somewhere, and it's this constant obsession with proving people wrong he should be at a point where he no longer gives one shit about what anyone says that's what makes it even more amazing to me you want to say i stink you want to say you don't believe me i don't care i got it made i don't care what you say no you're right at some point he'll become impervious to that i think yeah is it yet though i know it is it is i you know yeah you would think at some point you would be like hey wait i'm doing this for me i'm the man and screw off and i don't give a damn what any of you but he he does he clearly does care what people think still Hey, there's, there's no question about that. And he's very measured and yeah, he's a guy that, and I know we talk about another ex new England Patriot quarterback who doesn't like to ruffle feathers. I I don't think he likes to ruffle feathers that way. He doesn't. I think he's always kind of shown that throughout his career. Um, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have an edge to motivate himself and, and bring him, you know, bring his best game to the, the football field with that edge and finding something to piss him off to make him compete harder. When the Buccaneers face the Cowboys on Sunday night, it'll be Tyler Smith, the rookie, playing left tackle, most likely in place of the injured Tyron Smith. Jason Peters landed on the Cowboys' radar screen late last week, took a physical, met with the team, negotiated through the weekend, and as of Monday, actually signed to the practice squad. Remember, the practice squad now allows a couple of spots for guys who previously wouldn't have been eligible for the practice squad because you had hard limits on your number of years of experience in regular season games. But there are spots for guys with unlimited experience. And 40-year-old Jason Peters, a member of the practice squad. Chris, people said to me, why, why do they want him if he's on the practice squad? Here's why they put him on the practice squad. If he's on the week one roster, his salary is, as a practical matter, guaranteed for the full season. Right. This is their little device yep. for avoiding the possibility of signing him to the roster and then realizing after a few practices or a game or two He's passed his expiration date, and we have to pay him his full salary for the year. No thanks. So that I think that is reason number one that he's on the practice squad. He'd be called up 
to the active roster for Sunday and not have his salary guaranteed. We could still see him on the field on Sunday, but he's not on the active roster. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I would think that's 100% the reason. You know, this is this is the game that goes on with vested veterans in the NFL. You know, every vested veteran looks for like, oh, wait, you know, that could – uh, can I make the week one roster and be that guy that ends up getting cut? Like, it's like, oh, I got cut. That's a shame. But, whoa, I get to double dip. It's rarely that it, that it happens. But it's like, it's kind of funny how it's kind of this, like, weird, you know, what I don't know, like, reward in the NFL. But either way, I think that's the reason they did it. Yeah. So, like, hey, Jason Peters, we need you. We need some depth. You're still big. You're still a pretty good athlete. You know, are you ready and in shape and ready to play right now? Probably not. He probably realizes that. So, yeah, let's take it, you know, slow together here a little bit and get going and see where we're at. And maybe I'm on the field Sunday, but I would doubt it. And nonetheless, it's if everything goes the right direction, hey, we got a good week of practice and, you know, he could dress up for week two and, and, and beyond and hopefully help out a football team. It's a big question mark. I mean, you got to play the freaking Buccaneers the Buccaneers and you got a left tackle issue, a left tackle issue. And the owner is basically going, well, there might be some problems here and there. I mean, we got confidence in them, but there might be some problems too. He's going to have to learn on the, get a master class and learning on the fly. Tyler Smith is awesome, physical, like just road grader, Mike. But as you've heard me say, I think during the draft process a little bit, He's very raw. He's very raw, and I'll be very interested to see how he does at this left tackle position. Yeah, the quote from Jerry Jones was, there's a price to pay. Right. That price won't be 10 sacks of Dak Prescott. I remember a time when they didn't have Tyron Smith, and it was turnstile around that left side and sack after sack after sack of Dak Prescott. The termination pay issue, though, it's supposed to help players, and it hurts them. It does. It gets guys cut. Yes. It gets guys squeezed to take less. Yes. And it gets guys like Jason Peters not on the active roster week one when they otherwise would be. Before we go to break, though, and and look, circumstances change all the time in the NFL. You never know when that enemy is going to become your friend. But it is worth taking a look and a listen to what Jason Peters has to say or had to say four years ago about the Cowboys when he was playing for the Eagles. I have a feeling he feels a little bit differently now. Have a listen. <laughs> It's just the arrogance, the organization, uh, everybody, America's team. Uh, right now, they, I mean, they're not winning right now. So, I mean, let's see how many people jump off their bandwagon and stay with them. So, um, it's it's a funny it's a funny soundbite. I'm fascinated by the Papa shot behind him, though. We right. talked about that last week. Right. You get those games in the locker room, you got a hell of a distraction. Right. Maybe that was the downfall of the team right there. It was, that was the year after the Super Bowl. Who knows? Maybe that's why they started going south. I, I don't know. Uh, that, that is amazing there. But, hey, I don't, think he, I don't think he's saying something that a lot of players in football don't feel. You know, there, there's definitely resentment toward the Cowboys. Yeah, players get sick of hearing it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The Cowboys are dominant. Oh, the, the, the team that's, you know, barely going to get in the playoffs or – you know, in the playoffs, barely, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it gets overkill to where the players, yeah, they get sick of hearing it. I mean, they understand how big of a franchise it is, but it does get forced down your throat a lot. And then more than, le- more than anything is when they come into your, you know, stadium, there's always a lot of Cowboys fans there. And that pisses teams off, too. And you get sick of hearing that. And, yeah, they can be a little arrogant that way. So that's, that's where I think players do get sick of Dallas altogether. And then someday you're sitting on Jerry's bus 
drinking a little Johnny Walker blue. He hands you a silver helmet with a blue star on it, holds up a jersey with your name on the back of it, and everything And you go, damn, this is a cool organization. (laughs) It's pretty damn good Uh. to be part of this organization I once thought was arrogant. Let's take a break. Mike Tomlin, Steelers coach, has not named a starting quarterback for Sunday, but they have been dropping hints everywhere as to who it's going to be. We'll discuss that next on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 